turned out to be completely unreliable assholes. Tim, hello. Good morning, Ryan. And hello to everyone out there listening. Welcome to episode 21 of Dismembering Horror. Oh, the pod- 21. podcast show where what do we do, Tim? We dismember a weekly horror film that we watched and you watched, hopefully. Yes. And pull it apart into little pieces. Yep. Talk about what worked for us what did not work for us, and anything that we found interesting or noteworthy. Mm-hmm. And maybe maybe you did too, after we shared it with you. <laughs> yeah. And I'm in much better spirits today. Last week was a slog getting through Maggie. Oh, God. I'd already just forgotten about it. Yeah. Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but uh, Ghost Stories is today's film. I thought I'm much more was much more interested in this film. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. 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 And, and a recent with fi- good reason, I think. Yeah. Uh. This was a recent film. I'm ready to talk about it. If you are, Tim, should we get into to it? Let's get into it. The name of the film we watched, as I just said, it's we weren't talking about what it consists of. We were talking about the the name of the film itself, and that again is Ghost Stories. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Professor Philip Goodman. <laughs> My job is to explain the unexplainable, untangle the truth from the fiction. You don't have to have your life ruled by superstitious fear. Mr. Goodman, everything you have spent a lifetime trying to debunk the supernatural. It's all true. Three cases I couldn't explain. You go and investigate if you dare. Things are not always as they seem. Tell me about your incident. You don't believe, dear. Hello? I don't want people looking at me and thinking that I'm mad. Because I know what I saw. No, 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 no. Do you believe in evil, Professor? I didn't. Until that night. Ooh. Yeah, remember seeing that trailer? When we saw what's when when we saw what call it the other horrible zombie movie we yeah. Watched. yeah we saw the, the cured cure. at the new art theater in Los Angeles and saw the trailer for Ghost Stories and I'm like I'm down we gotta see this and interestingly I remember seeing that trailer and kind of being like eh, that yeah looks like it might be crappy <laughs> I was wrong yeah cool. I mean I wasn't wrong that I thought it looked like it might be crappy because I thought that yeah so I was right in thinking that I thought that it might look crappy. <laughs> but I was incorrect in in thinking that because I thought the trailer looked crappy, that the movie would be crappy. It's interesting how it was loaded with accolades, yet how that's almost become something we're numb to now. Because yeah. like... I don't care what, what fig leafs you got. Is that right. what they're called? <laughs> I forget. You know, I think there's a threshold. That's an interesting thing, though. When you though. put 50 of them up on a screen, I'm like, okay. okay. Yeah, well, if it's... If, you, if it's... you got the Poughkeepsie International. Well, if there's 50 of them, they're more reliable, and it's like maybe a little time has passed, or it's something well, that's, that's been in the festival circuit for a while. Like, I think, yeah. I think you know, the, the Witch and Hereditary are ones I loved. I think those were deserving. Yeah, but just, just put like the four, the four good ones. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's a billion film festivals. Who gives a shit? I mean, I know people who have made shit films that have gotten, you know, have won film festivals. But it's, again, it's like, you know, the the Manitoba Springs. <laughs> that's not a place. But, you know, the Manitoba Springs know. International... Like, you know, but there's still people like the whatever. guy from Manitoba could be a bigger authority on horror films than whoever you know the hell That's from true. you know Variety who just feels like yeah. But what to... I I guess what I'm saying I'm not trying to discredit that win. I'm just saying that we as the audience I don't think that propels our interest by saying that some obscure that it won some obscure film festival. Yeah, I think if you say. You know, you you won one of there's you know, there's like six that are the top ones that everybody's heard of. Right. It's like Sundance, Tribeca, uh, South by Southwest. Uh, what else? Yeah. yeah. Toronto. You know what I mean? There's those the big ones that you hear about can uh, if you throw one of those up there, you, if you won one of those, you could just say that and people would be like, oh, shit, like. That's so that, hard that's to interesting do. how that still has some um I think it validity does. but like when if you it, show 50 of them it I think it waters that down for some reason. It, it yeah, I guess. To me. It's interesting. I don't know. It's, I also think it's just visually annoying. Mhm. Like stop throwing those palm fronds up at in my face. Is that what they're called? <laughs> Probably palm not. Palms. You, you mean that Oh, oh, oh! You mean the laurels? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. The, the film laurels. festival laurels. I was talking more <laughs> about actual like. Um, <laughs> I was talking more about actual like pull quotes, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I mean I think it speaks more to how we only trust who we trust, like who we know. Yeah, yeah. You know, like okay, just because I recognize Variety or yeah. Chicago Sometimes or you right. It's it, but like I don't know. There's. There's certain people. That's why we have. That's why we follow people online and be like, "Oh, I trust their opinion." If they, that yeah, you know what? I don't think I trust anybody's opinion. That's it. And yeah. even my own. I'm like, you don't have to listen to me. Right. Like it's just my opinion. Right. Like it's probably. I mean, it is. It is by definition subjective. <laughs> like even if you like, I could say. I could try to say that objectively, Maggie is bad. That's incorrect. Yeah. Right. I just don't like. Which is it why at all. our sections are specifically what worked for right. us. That's right. For us. Yes. We acknowledge that and hope this is more just a sort of gets you thinking about if you agree or disagree with each of these points we build up. It's more yeah that that we bring up. It's more just about um, bringing them up. Yeah, and having a discussion good this was a roundabout way to sort of clarify even more what this podcast is. <laughs> yeah um but wait can we tan- tangentially how do how do i look oh yeah you got some new glasses is that what you do are I look, do i look smarter um you already looked smart tim wow was it the mustache no damn it it was your um <laughs> it was your uh your your i don't not not quite piercing gaze My but ju- perceptive ju- you're i don't obser- know what that means you're observing you're observing a uh, demeanor mm. <laughs> mm. i'm gonna observe all over the place and so how would you give this a summary not your Ooh. glasses or how you look but this film <sighs> summary okay so ghost stories let's see ghost stories is shit what was his name um philip goodman Good- goodman right okay professor so- Right. It's the story of Professor Goodman and 
his he he is a he is a skeptic and a debunker of paranormal and you know like what are those called sort of the charlatans that take advantage of that world and but he is given three cases we don't need to get into how but he's given three cases that are meant to tell him that he's full of shit and so he goes to investigate those three cases and we we turn into this sort of anthology style where we get a little piece of his, you know, introduction to the cases, and then we get a cutaway to those stories, which is a really nice setup. And, um, hmm, how do you summarize? Do, like, that's I mean, that's sort the of setup. It, that's right. It. Like, yeah, without getting into kind of the the deeper context or meaning of each story or the interconnectivity, but there is interconnectivity, which I thought was very well done yeah i went i guess i'd I'd clarify or i mean how i viewed it in in the context of the film those the cases are given to him to like show him you know he's full of it but in the but in sorry in the context of yeah the actual sort of greater what the story's doing how it's functioning that's what it does but like how it actually plays out in the story is more like given to him by someone who's like please just prove me i'm wrong like these sure. are the ones that i couldn't figure out right and not only could i not figure out but they are they i was wrong in ever being a skeptic yeah these are the cases that made me change my mind so uh which is cool how would you prove how, me wrong kind of thing I, yeah how, how, how did you rate this film in our scale of would you tell yourself tim to avoid it to stream it to rent it or buy it i would definitely rent this um it's pretty close to now i just rent it i was gonna say it's pretty close to a buy but i don't think uh, i yeah. kind of would want to watch it again hmm it's a movie yeah so i i give it a strong rent yeah and i could see it growing on me to a buy because of the way it's, I'm still thinking about it now. I want to see, you know, that's I've I've kind of brought this up before, but something if it's a buy for me, I probably am not going to know it the next day when we are recording a podcast mm, on it. Mm-hmm. You know, good movies like that, they aren't they 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 they're great because they they have a lasting impression and give you something to mull over and stick with you yeah. and like sort of what's interesting rises to the top. And like if you saw you know, at some point in the future, you saw an opportunity to buy it, you'd be like, oh, shit, I, I want that. Yeah, I might. I might. So but for now, as officially putting it down as a strong rent. Yeah. Okay, I'm into that. Um, did you so talk? Can you talk just briefly about before we get into this about your love of anthologies? My love of anthologies? Well, it's I or mean, your, in, your current interest in them. Yeah, I had actually been seeking out anthology films recently. I've watched a handful. Um, finally watched ABCs of Death. There was the Tales of Halloween on Netflix. Both of the Tales from the Dark Side. Or no, sorry. Um, Tale of Creep Tales. Show. Creep shows. I Isn't watched. Tale of Tales that one that you... Yeah, that's, is yes that and an no. It's too? sort of like... It sort of kind of pushes the... Def- there's different interconnecting stories, but it's oh, okay. kind of more like... Uh, trick or treat how they intersect just sort of so mm-hmm. where it almost feels like it is its own yeah it's phone. but um yeah Wait, no and some other ones forgetting the name uh, there's uh, like xx the Did prequel you see that? i haven't watched that i watched what um 
we haven't watched this yet, but Terrifier, you see it on Netflix with the, the clown guy, Art the Clown. I watched the film uh, that was that introduced oh, his character. Interesting. I bet that's better than the I actual actually, I actually feature. dug it. It was cool. Um, There's also one called Southbound. Have you seen that? That one? one's on my. That I one's watched, on my list. I watched that. I I, I liked it. Sorry, I'm it's just we're, I'm just listing the films now. But my my interest in it. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> I'm, uh, there was a question in there. I'm working on developing a horanthology yes. project myself. Cool. Can and I be so, in it? Can I be like, I don't know, like a zombie or something? Well, here's the thing. I mean, um, there's maybe I don't know if I want to get into this, but kind of don't don't okay. spoil it. Great, thanks. But remind me to answer that later, because yes, in a, in a ooh. Way. I mean, I'll just I'll I, just hold the fucking sound. No, I boom. think I think there's a good spot for you in it. I'll tell you about. But no, I, it's been fun, and that's kind of like what we're doing here because we're both you know filmmakers in our own right here, and and a lot of this podcast is we want to like delve. You know, it's it's educational. See what else is out there. Like doing this helps us helps us grow. We like to think mm-hmm. as filmmakers, and hopefully you too in your creative endeavors. Um, so much to learn from what not to do. So, so thanks to <laughs> Tim's magic fingers, he pulled out ghost stories. Yeah, and uh, I'd be excited to get into what worked for us. Yeah, we should. What worked? What worked for you? What worked for you? What worked for you? It worked like a charm, Smith. <laughs> what worked? What worked? I have one. Yeah, the movie works for me. Great, me too. The movie worked for me, Tim. Like, it's a movie. Yeah, and it's it's so well constructed and very cohesive. And there isn't and there were no parts where I was like, "What?" But no. <laughs> so the movie works as a whole. Now yes. I've broken down into three three large chunks like what you know what makes a movie work in this sense and why that worked in this sense why the ghost stories worked for me so there's the actual sort of like the hook of the wraparound and the plotting structure or the setup or whatever which Which we we... saw in uh asylum oh yeah asylum was another anthology sort of same let's introduce the the underlying reason we're here and the thread that we're going to weave that has connection through these anthologies. I think that's yeah. smart when you're doing an anthology to do that and do it well. So so what you already said when you know in the in the summary what this one is is skeptic gets uh handed um files of you know some some paranormal stuff. Yeah. And ha- has at it. So there's that that setup earlier which I want to say when we're using the word um the word skeptic. So yeah, in the the story sense too. That's the other chunk that I liked. If that's a sort of the, what, you know, I said the three different things I liked. That first one was the the wraparound, the hook, the setup, the jumping off point. But then mm-hmm. the actual story, and then I said the word skeptic of like a person who's certain they know, or a person who's certain they know certain things about how the world works. Sure, gets put into a situation where it's like. They must determine the validity of these things that they're going in saying, I already know how the world works. Right. Which we've which, talked about before, right? Yeah. In that like you and I, I think use the word skeptic in a different way. That's what I wanted to say right now is say yeah. that again is like Tim and I, we both feel like skeptic, how it's commonly commonly used is a, almost a misnomer. Um, yeah. That there's like absolutism to it. Yeah. That like 
a skeptic believes what they believe unmovably. Yeah, which is the immovably inherently as far as I view the word. Yeah, <laughs> wrong. Yeah, for how and the words I mean we. Is. I think we talked about sort of thinking like a skeptic is more to us somebody who agrees that they don't know. Yeah, like I'm not going to say ghosts exist or don't exist. I don't know. That's why I'm skeptical of anybody who says they know. Right. A true skeptic. <laughs> right. Versus, oh, I'm a skeptic. I don't believe in any of that stuff. That's, <laughs> you know, that's... That's just asshole talk. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, guys. It's fun. <laughs> Look at this ghost stuff. So, and then... I just um, like calling people assholes. And then the, uh, and then the third, why, why this, why this really um, solidified in me as a great film was the the third tier here is the the deeper character story that was going on by the end mm-hmm. it's one that like it's like where where i i see myself in where it's that um the the idea of seeing how there's fault in inaction where right. like in right. a, where it's like we like to think the that oh we aren't culpable because we didn't do anything and exactly like in this situation yeah. in the film you know once we get to the ending we see that this main character's demon that sort of is his his um well yeah his demon is jumping off point for all his woes is he um he didn't face his fears against some bullies and help someone in need and then as a result someone died yeah there's a like famous quote about that, and I forget who who it's by, and even what it is. But it's something to the effect of like, it's way worse to do nothing. You know what I mean? It's like than to. That's like in a sort of. I mean, there's that quote in the context of, is it like a Martin Luther King Jr. Probably, quote or probably, something? Yeah. You know, as far as in a um, political sensory. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm gonna see if I can find it really quick. It's fine. We don't, we don't we don't need to know it. Um, so yeah, so yeah, you say the movie worked was yeah. a thing that worked for you. Yeah, and that's those for me are the overarching things that make it. Yes, it worked as a movie. I Do totally you, agree. You know the the third to your third point the the sort of the backstory that comes back around. I, I in the very opening they're sort of showing. There's, they are. They're showing this guy as a child and his family dynamic, and it sort of it it feels to it. I was like, where where are we going with this, and why why does this matter mm-hmm. at all? Um, and for basically the entire movie until the last fifteen minutes, it is not touched whatsoever can you remind us what that setup yeah was? like that he's like yeah my my dad's my dad's beliefs are the reason like my life is fucked up yeah and they show some kind of mock uh home video footage of the of his family and his his sister going on dates and his dad flipping out and like it's it's all very kind of homemade filmmaker stuff and i thought that's all fine and good we're establishing that this guy you know is a documentarian and has been since he was a kid but what is his dad being a kind of an asshole have to do with anything and you never really touch on it until we finished right. all three of the 
anthology It's kind stories. of just like, oh, this is kind of fun, spooky character setup. And I had pretty much forgotten about it. Yeah. It was, you know, brief enough, but also disconnected enough that until it, until it came back around, I, I was like, whatever. And then when it did, I was like, oh, fuck, right. Oh, yes. It's called right. a good setup, right? Yes, absolutely. So I like that. Um, stay more overarching here. Um, I loved how, each, you know, speaking in like a, an anthology horror sense, I liked how each of the three tales had their different sort of bent to it. As in, you had the first one was a ghost one, the second one was mm. a demon one, and mm-hmm. the third one was a poltergeist one. That's right. So even like, you know, leaving the sort of wraparound overall story film, like even in an anthology, it worked in that That's sense smart. too. Yeah, I like that. Did you have any other like... Uh, I guess overarching, broad yeah, broad, why it worked for you. Um, I mean, all, mm, not sort of story-wise, but they're all just so well shot and so just fucking good looking. Yeah, actually, I mean, you bring up, yeah, so so bringing up now, I didn't put down how it was um, shot, but you reminded me that is something I wanted to put down because... It was at that level, it was at that good enough level, like, you know how I've complained a lot before where it's like, it looks too slick, you know, for sure. scary, like Lake Bottom, yeah, yeah. you know, films no, like it that. it didn't feel like that to me. It yeah. felt like something else was going on. Like, Just... like we're, you're, you're, you're seeing the filmmaking in Lake Bottom. I didn't feel like I was seeing the filmmaking in this. I just felt like I was in a place. Yeah, this was good enough that it was at that. You know, I'll use it. You know, remember I said Lake Bottom when compared to David Fincher, but like they're actually David Fincher films are way, 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 way better because you lose yourself in the movie more. Um, So I think this is more a better accurate, more accurate comparison where Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, when you get into like the murderous, you know, crime world of a David Fincher movie and it hits you hard, that's. What was going on with this too? It was at that level. That was just cool. Ghost yeah. Stories was. Uh, I mean, it just shot like in a way. We're in really good hands. Mm-hmm. Like I never thought. I well, and we'll get to it. There's there's some some very specific stuff that sort of third act stuff that is just fucking amazing visual filmmaking. Yeah. So these guys knew what the fuck they were doing. Like no question whatsoever. Great. I'm glad you bring it up. How it was shot. Yeah. Um, you know, and I say this every, every time pretty much, unless it's really bad, but like everybody's performance is great. The design is great. Um, anything unique to how it was an anthology film, why it worked for you? Well, you know, mm, that's interesting. I like, they, I think they did a good job of keeping us with this main guy the professor enough to to ease into the cutaway of the story like there was it's not seamless entirely but there is a really nice flow between him meeting with these case file whoever it is the the first guy is the what was his job he's a what do you call the security that? guard sure security guard um, the, the, the scene lead up to cutting to the guy's story 
in each one of these is really, really well constructed. It's not just a sort of like, oh, let's get to it. There's actual like substantive like interaction that is interesting. It's an interesting like the whole pub scene and whether he's going to get him to talk has something to it in and of itself. And then when we finally do get to the point where he's like agreeing to talk, the the transition into it feels easier than a hard like like, you know, in not that I didn't like Asylum because I did, but in Asylum, it's like he basically opens the door and they're like, this is so and so. And it's like hard cut to the story. Yeah, so you're you saying I mean? it gives us just a little bit more intrigue into each of the characters and yeah. their situation and wanting to know about their background. Yeah, and even in that sort of what they're giving us, it's it's not heavy handed. It, it's this it's like a good, a well written scene. Yeah, you know. Well, it's it's a night and it's simple too because it's just like here's when he first shows up to talk to this person. Yeah, let's just see it play out. How yeah. do we get to the moment where they actually start talking? Well, and and also they they add little bits and bobs, I guess. Of we're still with Saint. Uh, what's his What's his first name? Shit, Philip. Yeah, we're still Philip. with Philip Goodman. Even between like before he gets to the next person, we get to see a little bit of him just sort of taking in what he just experienced mm -hmm. and they're you know they're little jump cuts like a little bit of time has passed he's not like okay well thanks for telling me that story i'm gonna go now you know it's like 20 minutes later or an hour later and he's kind of in the you know in the glow or whatever you want to call it of of that story that we've just cut away from which and i don't know if this is too specific but every one of these uh, the cutaways, what do you want to call these stories? Each story yeah. ends with sort of a cliffhanger in a way. Like we, like each one of them has sort of that final scare moment without a, a resolution to it. It's nice because it puts us that they we are still in the story. It has affected them so deeply right. that when we catch up with the present with them, it's like there's this is where we're at now. Well, and I think it's a really smart device because when you learn what's actually going on in the end, you realize having open-endedness to each story speaks to a larger, you know, context of what's actually going on. Yeah. Um, right. And that's good writing. Yeah. Like, really good writing. Um, so, so, this was all why it worked mm -hmm. for me, what I was saying before. Now... I want to you can you can you go off a cliff with me here into why I loved it though. Oh yeah. Okay. Ah! This is what we're going to do. This is when I anyone who will put up with me talking about why I love inherent vice knows how I can just as <laughs> <laughs> why I use the term go off You're a gonna cliff. You're going to hate here. me. I keep starting inherent vice and then I I like haven't watched it. That's understandable. Like I've gotten through the first five or six minutes. Knowing you four, and how you times. kind of watch movies, I don't blame you. <laughs> I need to sit down and devote my time how to it. Next and time energy. It, it plays in theaters, I'll drag oh, you to sure. it. See, then I have to pay attention. I know. That's, <laughs> I'll do it that's that way. what it deserves. <laughs> so I want to use to also as a sort of a, a, a touchstone point, and I'll be talking about through this, is the new, uh, was it The Haunting of Hill House? Mm -hmm. The Netflix mini series whatever you'd call it yeah um i'm gonna be referencing that in this so so i 
my, my, my going into this film, I liked. I it was, you know, there's always the kind of when you're figuring out what what is what is this film, what what, what is it gonna be, and uh, and I was like a little disappointed, but then on board when the sort of like it started with some in, intense music stuff during one of the first segments, and it was like, okay, this is gonna be a kind of fun, creepy, mm. scary movie, but uh, but where it's actually can be scary, you know, too, and creepy, which is like, I think on the level of Hill House, you know, where it's like, okay, there, there's like jump, it's like good jump scare moments almost, you know what I mean? Like effective kind of um, fun house yeah. kind of style where, but it's like, oh, that's actually creepy, unsettling makeup design. That's good, you know, uh, setup, whatever, all that stuff. So it had that, that going for it. It was great. Um that kind of creepy, but, you know, feels also kind of safe in a way. You know, it's not going to be like The Shining for me, where it's just like, <clears throat> I, I'm shook to the sure, core. Sure, So, so kind of like what I liked, what, why I ended up liking Hill House in the end, and why I ended up loving this film, though, because it wasn't 10 hours like Hill House, <laughs> um, was it's, was the way that the... the at a certain point thinks that like the twist in this one, it goes, Oh, this is this like kind of fun safeness that I thought I was in is actually just a setup for getting that rug Mm. pulled out from under me. So like to get into, to get into the ending when you're setting up what happens in the the third act of we're actually not in reality. This is, you know, you know, conceivably in the guy's, in the guy's head, the main character's head, he's been in an accident and these are just sort of his regrets and demons and self-hatred being, yeah. you know, his brain doing that work for him and doing this, building up this construct, which is also like a, uh, you know, a trap in a way too, as far as uh, it's a, like Hill House, all the characters sort of have their, their you know, the thing that we keep doing that actually puts us keeps us trapped in this thing right, that we're right. trying to, that we want to escape from. Um, which, which since this was like a character, I could relate to his demons and then just the way, and then the, the way, as I said, because I thought this was fun and safe and all of a sudden, Oh shit, I don't know what's going on here that, uh, it, it turned that into, okay, this is actually chilling. Like yeah. I said, and unnerving the best of ways, which I say Hill house did for me in the end with kind of the concept of the red room and like other recent horror films I've really loved that I've done that, you know, the wailing mm. I've mentioned before and you watched where yeah. it's just like, is it a ghost? Which one's the ghost? Oh right. God, is this real? Is this a loose? Well, it's yeah, like, Ugh. who's, who's actually there and who's seen stuff. And yeah. Are they credible? It's the, the best kind of yeah. uncertainty. Yes. Uncertainty is super important. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, yeah. How I put it, it's like, I want my brain to break that little bit. Yeah, where yeah. it's like you, you're grasping for logic, but it's not there, and your your hands are slipping at the edge of the cliff, and that's what's scary. Yeah, that that experience. I would go one, just to commend these writers and filmmakers. I'd go one step deeper. Their ability to weave uncertainty on top of very primal and and very layered story and and th- sort of thematic things that relate directly to the actual reality of the story 
of him being in a coma and whatever brought him to that point, using sort of deeper imagery that in, on its surface level is creating this sense of uncertainty and what the hell and is my brain breaking and you know all of those things but there is deeper contextual and sort of um what's the word it's sort of uh i guess just thematic things like for example the k the the sewer if you why do you choose that as a writer for that particular storyline the the sending this kid down this sewer that gets smaller and smaller and smaller until he gets stuck and dies right there's there's actually a deeper sort of primal nature and symbolism to that if in the context of somebody who's in a coma sticking yourself into a hole right and dying in it like stopping breathing like there's there's layered meaning of of symbolic meaning to that it's not arbitrary yeah and yet when we're watching it in the in just in the scene without the context of him being in the coma it's also creepy and weird and like it's you know kind of makes sense but also kind of fucking unsettling and uncertain and like what the hell and we get why but not really and it's creating this vibe that you're talking about that's really good fucking filmmaking yeah. and writing that's a good answer to my question I pose for both of us, okay. which I think has kind of multifaceted. Um, but it's like, so if, if it, if it is, you know, you know, um, relying on this uncertainty and get this deep unnervingness in the context of the film, it's, I could see someone watching it and just being like, Oh, okay. It's just a dream. You know, it's the, the wizard of Oz ending. Oh, it's just a dream in the end. Right. And that sort of undermining, everything you know we said being able yeah. to but for some reason i think it's 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 different as i said multifaceted it's on different levels it's just in the filmmaking where it's like i feel on unstable grounds like yeah. to get to when you're talking about how it was well shot i think you're gonna say the tearing That's away the of the background that is one of the most awesome visuals it's so fucking brilliant to me the tearing it's, away of the background yeah yeah it's so fucking compelling and and mind breaking that because even so because of that, even when I get to the hospital and we're any semblance of supposed to be thinking, oh, this is real. We are safe again. It's not there. Yeah, because we because it's all just sort of out the window. I don't have any stable ground anymore. That, yeah, that's exactly right. I love I love that 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 really is this movie is like not well, I'm never really on stable ground. Yeah, it's so good. And that's that's to me is what we're I think when we talk about the hunt for good horror, that's, that's what yeah. it's all about. Hell yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, if, if nothing else, like why, wh what is fear and why do we get scared? It's because we don't know what's going to happen. And if you can create that consistently, that sort of underlying feeling of like insecurity, like I don't, I am not secure in even what I know is going on. So here's that's fucking great. Let's pick that apart because okay. I think why that's actually scary is when we say what's scary is we don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Is because we do know what's going to happen. Whoa, what? <laughs> yes. <laughs> let me explain. As evidence by... Hang on, by... hang on. Let me light, let me light this joint. <laughs> <laughs> um, so remember the uh, quote that was kind of the, the quote of this film and it's on the better of the two posters for this film? Uh, I'm just going to no. tell you, 
The brain sees what it wants to see. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they say that a couple times, right? Right. Which to me means, you know, we can think of that in terms of how nightmares. Holy shit. Holy shit. You, you, you following what I'm saying? That's so one of one of my questions and something that I was considering putting in things that didn't work, but now I can't is is the the scene uh, with with the charlatan. That scene now makes sense, like why that scene is in there. That scene of him, uh, you know, the the guy who pretends to know what, you know, he's like, uh, what do you call it? He's a medium, right? And he's a fraud. He's doing what you're describing. Mm-hmm. He's creating a thing that that these people want to believe. They mm-hmm. they're seeing what they want to see by going to him. They wouldn't go to him in the first place, right? Who gives a shit if he's a fraud? Right. He's but- cre- he's giving them that so that is that's why that scene is there it's a perfect fucking analogy for what you're talking about there's also the the difference between want and need because you know we could say this main character philip wants if in the context of the brain sees what it wants to see Mm -hmm. is uh he's not gonna ever believe in this stuff because even if he sees the ghost right in front of him he's he's gonna i don't know say i was crazy whatever you know his, his brain will trick him out of it but to think of that quote in terms of it's actually the brain sees what it needs to see, then that explains like if he spends his whole life not confronting this demon of his, his subconscious, you know, in this nightmare level, it's going to be telling at him. It's going to be telling him these stories, trying to encourage his, you know, his comatose his self-aware self that is, you know, our protagonist still, I don't think that's, well, I think it still has validity is because that's not just a some dream him. That is him. That's him. You know, maybe it's like you have your personal views on what dreams are or whatever, but sure. like there's still your, your conscious in your dreams. You're scared when you wake up from uh-huh, a dream, uh-huh. you know, it happened to you is how it feels. So it's not wrong, you know, to say that this happened to me in a dream yeah. when it happened. Oh, man. So, so I think like this film is sort of, you know, it shows how, yeah, even though we want what's scary is what we don't know to bring it back is what's what's scarier is what we do like know on some deep level, even yes. if it's whether it's conscious or not, yes. that we're afraid to say we know. It's why I'm single. <laughs> yeah. Because every time I meet somebody who I'm like, oh, shit, this this girl is amazing. I, I really want this to work i get scared that i will fuck that up so i know what you're saying i know i'm actually so almost even manifesting a reality by giving into the fear that i might fuck it up so that fear thing that fear response is so based in in what we know as a possible reality that like a possible outcome so knowing in a way, it's like, why are, you know, why are we scared of the dark? It's not because the dark is scary. It's because we know that if something actually is in there with us, we, we're pointing at the thing that is scary. The dark's not scary. The idea that something might be in there with us is scary. Yeah. Right? Well, that's the, the challenge. It's like that's you know the phrase we're we're only growing when we're being challenged or yeah, doing yeah. what's scary. Freedom lies on the other side of fear. Ooh. All that stuff. 
Man, I'm so glad we did those mushrooms (laughs) (laughs) for this episode. (laughs) No. Um, Yeah, good. We didn't do drugs. Don't do drugs. Exactly. Or live your life. Who gives a shit? Watch watch films. Yeah. (laughs) On drugs sometimes. Um, Man, that's trippy, but it's so true. And, and, And I think is really a reflection of the broader construction of this movie. There, there are so many kind of layers of where you can can sort of contextually look at what, what is going on, because at any given moment in this movie, you you can and sometimes have to, in hindsight, step back and go, oh wait a minute, what part of this actually is real, right? Yeah. And that even that question is sort of flawed in this movie, because. Nothing is really real in it, and okay. everything is real. In you brought it. up mushrooms, and now I want to connect it to psychedelics, Tim. <laughs> okay, because <laughs> I think it, it is because it's interesting. I think and about this idea of being trapped in a space and having to give up the mm. sense of um, of that solid ground. You know, right. that's and that's what they, which is that being human, right? Right. Like we as human beings are constantly bombarded with the the idea that structure exists that yeah. that like norms exist that you're supposed to do this or well it's cuz those are important in they, order for us to do that's anything right. <laughs> no they are important but all, what's i think also broadening and and interesting is to realize that there's there's more to it yeah from so from my knowledge what psychedelics maybe can force mm-hmm. you to do mm-hmm. is to to say this is you want to know it's real or not sorry you can't right you know it, it forces you to go off that cliff yeah, yeah yeah um and that's what that's what you know a good scary movie if it can really affect you kind of do is okay i'm i'm trapped here with my fears what do i do with that yeah you know, and and what psychedelics can do is, you know, to our senses, they'll become more literal. You'll, you know, you could feel a presence in a room. Sure. You could go transported somewhere. You could see something a certain way. You could, you know, feel like you're. Um, well, I don't, I don't want to go on. Well, but. but I think that this is really interesting because for me personally, like, I'm really scared of the idea of psychedelics. But what you're describing is in effect, what great art accomplishes for me, right? Like, the best art is transportative. Is that yeah. a word? Transportational. Transpo- transportational sounds like I got on a bus. Right. But you know what I mean? It transports you uh, into another realm, and you lose yourself in this art, whatever that may be. For me, film is the kind of the premier version of that but it can be music it can be even like a painting or whatever that is the for me like that's why we're artists like to not only engage in that and experience it but to potentially create it for somebody else to experience and like the fact that this seemingly i mean i would say almost innocuous anthology horror film is breaking that open for the viewer is quite amazing yeah it's so good and like they're 
purposefully creating things to push us in that direction. Mm-hmm. Like, it's fucking brilliant. Yeah. Which is, again, why I'm just assuming everyone's seen Haunting of Hill House, why I liked it in the end. I think sure. that last episode succeeded in doing that exactly. And uh, to out myself even more here, you said, you know, <laughs> music and transportation as how that's how it's functioning yeah. because mickey hart the drummer of the grateful dead one of the two drummers says we're in the transportation business oh nice so what, what we funny. do that's cool and Even, films too they're yeah. it's, they're transportive you put it on and it's um like kind of in mandy you know oh, that the, the exactly what i was the presence of thinking. psychedelics there sure, yeah. it's like this record it's you put it on and yeah. it's it's going to, the music comes out, you know? Yeah. Like, and movies are the same way. When we talked about Halloween um, versus, you know, the new Halloween. Mm-hmm. And I was saying how I think the original, though, still, I don't think, I don't think the new one's ever going to be what the original one is because the original is still the more potent source of Halloween stuff, you know, sure. of, of what is yeah, Halloween yeah, yeah. in essence. And so when you put on Halloween just in the background in October, that is its spell yeah coming out <laughs> yeah. over you yeah, transporting totally. you that's what i'm saying man uh so i really liked uh that shot where the lights were going off in the background <laughs> i just wanted to do a hard turn here the from lights, all this <laughs> the lights are going off in the background <laughs> so wait where are we <laughs> exactly no i so I, yeah i, I felt do, like we I could agree. just keep going we could but let's talk a little bit about each side story the an- anthology like so in one the first those. one, the ghost one, the where it really had me was uh, that one shot, which I just said was there where he's going down the hallway and behind him. Oh God, that the, is the, so good. The lights in the hallway, and it's just like we kind of maybe we've seen that before, but sure. they just figured out the perfect pacing yeah. for the lights and that the fact that there wasn't sound to it. It wasn't like gong, 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 I know, gong, I know, yeah. Which like I feel like uh, you know other movies would do. Yes. Um, God, that was creepy. And then the design of the ghost girl, too, I loved. Yeah, it was... I thought it was... Yeah. It wasn't super... I think it was good. It, it was, was a good balance. It was looking. freaky, but not, not like, overdone. Well, that's what I said. It was at the, the fun level, where it's not like it wasn't... Yeah. It wasn't hitting that level where it was like it was just a person, which could be the more kind of realistic, shining yeah. kind of, you know, angle. Sure. But it was that fun kind of, like... I don't want that to appear in front of me all of a sudden. And put its finger in your mouth. Yeah. You don't want that? No. Are you sure? It's long nail. I don't know. Ask me on a different day. <laughs> Gross. Um, I, but like the, the sort of tension build up to in that first mm-hmm. scene where it's like when he goes into that room and all the, the mannequins oh, are in man. there. Oh, man. Mannequins and it's are like, just inherently when the, fucking yeah, creepy when the door closes and you're like, like dolls you know he's gonna get that all the lights are gonna go off and get he's gonna get trapped in it yeah yet when it happens it's like it's still great yeah so good yeah what, what did you what else did you love about the first one um the lighting in general the way they lit that first one felt so good i was like oh I'm in this place. In par- in particular versus the other ones, or is it just the overall? That, that one, I think, I think, because the environment um, lends itself to kind of creepy, dank, whatever, dim, but you know, water's dripping. <laughs> gl- yeah, like glowy, dim, like yellow lighting. Uh-huh. I just felt like I I, I wanted to go be in there and like get scared yeah whereas comparatively 
the second one, I kind of saw the lighting in so far as like when the kid's in the car driving and his dashboard like is obviously lit by, you know, an LED to, to brighten up the inside of the car so we can see his face. It's like I, as a filmmaker, can see that that, that they had to make that. They I remember that to, exact they made, shot too. They made that concession to be like how we're going to make it bright just so we can see what I, As face. soon as it cut like around him, I'm looking at the dashboard like how bright is that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So little things like that. Um, that first one just feels, it's a, it's a place that I've always wanted to go explore at night and get scared. It just is. Cement and closed in is like, it's a nightmare that I have. Yeah. Like I have, it's not really a recurring nightmare, but there is a recurring, um, environment in my nightmares that I have. Uh, that are literally cement walls, like, you know, a tunnel of cement. And a lot of the time it's like a ramp that goes down deeper and you get to the bottom of the ramp and it's just a, a, you know, it seems like a dead end, but you can actually take a right around the corner into Mm -hmm. an even darker, narrower space. I can like see it exactly. That, That is in so many of my dreams. It's, I think that it's a primal thing because to refer to a movie we've never talked about really there's a movie called Baskin that is a Turkish I horror film that I saw it in I theaters fucking love good and that whole movie this is such a tangent but I think it's important it's to the point of what these filmmakers are doing too that movie when I watched it I was like why is all of this imagery shit that I've had nightmares about and it started making me think well there's you know maybe there's sort of a broader like human like we there is some symbolic or symbology in our consciousness, like even the collective consciousness type stuff. Maybe we all have these images in our nightmares, so to speak. Like they're thematic things that that we all possess. And so, because I was like, oh my God, like in Baskin, they go down these cement stairs and there's like a cement tunnel and there's this thing and there's that thing and there's the tar and there's the water. Like these are all things that I have nightmares about. And I just... Totally coincidentally, about four or five months later, I went to a New Year's Eve party, at which my this guy I work with who is my cinematographer. Um, it was his party, and he had a friend of one of the people. Maybe it's all filmmaker people. One of them was the DP for Baskin. This cool. woman and I, you know, I because she was like, "Oh yeah, I'm from Turkey," and I was like, "Oh man, have you seen Baskin? It's like fucking one of my favorite horror films." And she's like, "Yeah, I I shot it," <laughs> and I was like, ah, "What?" And so I said, "Okay, wait, can I? I have to ask you a question. Was the filmmaker, the director, actively putting those thematic dream things in? Like, did he have a point of reference for those?" And she was like, "Oh fuck yeah, I like he." specifically researched that to have this movie take place in those environments because he knew that those are dream uh, symbols that we all experience. What I think is so interesting about that is how it shows our collective consciousness is a changing, evolving one. Sure. Because like what I mentioned, what I liked so much in Mandy of the motorcycles oh. and the guys on the motorcycles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like cav- cavemen, they weren't like, you know, thinking of motorcycles, nor were they thinking of right. cement, concrete walkways and spaces. Right, but they were probably thinking of fucking caves. Yeah. And but, like scary caverns and shit that you yet, go down or whatever. Yet, I'd say like... a natural cave formation it's different from cement 
you know, no, that's light true. Hanging down. Right. That's yeah. why I say it's evolving. It's changing. It's like our fears are allowed to be more mm-hmm. specific. Yeah. So that's a long way around of saying that I think this film is doing the same thing in a certain way. Like it's taking really, really well thought out symbolic, deeper symbolic things that are touching like a a primal part of our brains mm-hmm. and, and, and then fucking with us with them. You're right. And I think the first, the first segment, it probably did that the best as far as location wise, yeah. which I think it was helped too. I don't remember seeing any exteriors of it. We kind of just were, no, we don't in Definitely not. it with yeah. him. And I think that helped give it that sort of, yeah. where we, which also knowing that it was all in the guy's head makes it even <laughs> I know. work all that I much know. better. But even the second one, like you put yourself in the woods in the mid, like there's something very primal yeah. about just being in the middle of nowhere in the woods at night. And how about the guys, not even in the segment, but the setup to the segment of the guy's house that he's living in, you know, the younger guy. Yeah. The kid. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You mean with, like, with Goodman. Yeah. So yeah. when we're with oh, Goodman, I know. that's like that house where it's just like these sort of close together doorways. Yeah. And tight it's like, stairwell. Yeah. All that too. So fucking good. Dim. Um, just so if we're going in order here with the, the segments, we just brought up the second one. But the other thing I wanted to say about the first one was the uh, protagonist in that one, especially, is uh, I love like putting a, a sort of, um, not a ragamuffin, but like a... Uh, a curmudgeon-y guy. Sure, sure. curmudgeon British bloke. Yeah. You know, put him, put him where he's got to see a ghost. Ghost, bl- bloody nonsense. You know? <laughs> yeah. Just put someone like that in a situation Salt of the earth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I uh, I think it's fun to see that kind of person in Definitely. that situation. So how about the second one? So second one. Yeah, you're right. That The transition of Goodman going and talking to him is very unsettling. Mm-hmm. Like the room that they end up in, I I kind of when they showed the stuff on the walls, I was like, oh shit! And he straight up sees the other ghosts in there, which is like, yeah. or, or other people in there, where he's like, no one else is here, right? Like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on? So, so good. I think that was my favorite of the setup kind of wraparound. Mm. If we have wraparounds attached to each of the segments, that was my favorite. And dude, I'm sorry, but what a fucking genius device to have all these drawings of like woods and goat goat men like it's it's weird because it's something that you i threw it away initially i was like oh that's super cool this kid is a fucking is tripping out but like he's kind of also just like every other teenager who's into you know like whatever death metal or what you know what i mean it's like when i was a kid my friends had fucking you know they had metal posters with like demon symbols and and fucking amazing artwork on them and that's just a thing that some kids are fucking into and it's cool Mm -hmm. and so part of me just kind of wrote it off i mean it was a little extreme in this case that it's like covering all the walls but also fucking cool whatever and then to have that be the demon that he hits i'm sorry but i was not prepared for that when they cut to the actual goat-headed demon i like yelled so loud in like joy (laughs) i know i remember that i felt i simultaneously felt you know for the same reasons i loved it too it was great it just wasn't what i was expecting and i think because the first one uses sort of a different ghost you know a a different version of a ghost i almost thought we were gonna get something 
along the same line because right. you're expecting there to be some sort of through line. That's to what the... I was saying. I liked how each one is different. Oh, and to, fucking and awesome. you were wait, what you yelled is like you were like, oh demon. Yeah. He's like, yeah, demon one. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, man, this oh, is the demon one. It was so cool. Good. The 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 goat demon thing imp. It was like it was a it was a good size where it was like small enough to get mm-hmm, you, mm-hmm. but it wasn't like so big. It was like yeah. you know it was an interesting size. It appeared was on screen just the right amount to actually yeah. remain creepy. Barely, we were able to yeah. see it without yep. seeing it. Yeah, really good. Good balance of that, and then it had that kind of witch esque moment I like where mm-hmm. it talked. <laughs> it didn't say like stay inside or don't go anywhere yeah, or don't go. Like its hands come up, yeah. you know. And that whole <laughs> sequence too, it was great. I loved like how, um, you know, you think it has to be intentional, but it's also just by the nature of just shooting him in the car. It was that, you know, just the right focal length and everything where you felt mm-hmm. like there could always be something oh, coming man. up in the background. That, that is exactly right. They use they use an angle that is so, I, I remember thinking this is the perfect angle because all I can do is wait for something to pop up right over his shoulder. Mm-hmm. Like, it's hard to even describe, but it's it's as if the camera was on the, um, what would you call that? On the very corner of the front windshield. You know, the front windshield where it meets the side window. It's right there. He's He's on sort of the left third because it's a British car. And then you have all this empty space but they're using a wide enough lens to make it feel deeper than it really is but the passenger seat is in that empty space so we can we feel like oh shit we're just obscured enough there's stuff behind that we maybe can't see yet and Mm -hmm. it's leaving this 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 void where you're like there is so much room in this shot for something to fucking pop into and and it never happens or or like quietly creep in yes or... i mean i was like all every time they cut to that shot i was like here, here it comes here it comes here it comes yeah. here it comes and it didn't it came from the other fucking side of the car which is so good i i thought it was interesting like where it both worked to make me feel with the kid more as well as um that kid's a that kid's good at that, yeah. that thing that he does the, right the like freaky nervous yeah thing he's really well good. It, it made me feel for him as well as just sort of you know how it's like can, we, we talked about before i think where it's like just uh when we t- watched um x day we're just to sort of rile up any heavy emotions like when we get into like the level of child abuse you know how that mm, was used mm-hmm. as a technique in that one to sort of get us to a certain point in this film the um getting frustrated with how mean his parents were like yeah. put me at a level where yeah, i yeah. felt more just kind of like open and exposed yeah that's interesting that's yeah. really smart mm-hmm. it's, I was it's like of... a priming the pump kind of thing yeah i'm like these fucking these parents like it's horrible you know <laughs> the way they're yelling at me. yeah and like and then you it's a really good device to to instantly build a little bit of sympathy for that character too yeah like we go yeah no wonder he's fucking losing his shit his parents suck when he just runs out of the car it's great <laughs> <laughs> i know i know it's only seems like a bad and i did not see that coming with the tree thing too i know but it's great because awesome. now knowing the ending where it's all like dream logic it's yep. like oh okay yeah um how about the last segment 
with Martin Freeman more so. Yeah, and I had said this while we were watching. Like, Freeman is a fucking genius. I had that down. Actor. What worked he for me? Just Martin Freeman. He is amazing. His He has nuance in every character I've ever seen him do. Which makes this The Hobbit so depressing because I I, that could have been... He's like the perfect Bilbo. Yeah. But he... There's a moment when he hears a noise and I think he's sitting on a couch or, or something like that. And he gives this slight little look of it has so much going on and it's like the most nothing look. But it has what was that? I'm annoyed. Not again. You know what I mean? It has all these things in this one little look. And I feel like he just does shit that. A lot of he like adds this little these little sprinkles of of character whatever expression that you just don't see all that often. Mm-hmm. He's amazing at that. Um, Which, but I I really like this this one. It's 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 crisper. It's it, it's lit differently. It's in a very clean place. Like it has cutaway shots to the environment in this really or you know sort of yeah pristine house. That sort of um. That sort of acting's I don't want to say style, it's just more like who he is, what yeah. he represents, his his essence. It lent itself well to this this one because I think it's someone who like he has the presence of someone like we feel like he, he knows something or he knows what's up or like he's gonna he knows what we're saying before we finish it. Yeah. Which like in the context of this story was great because it's like Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 the one example where it's like um uh, you know what I'm trying to say, where he goes to someone versus like the bloke at the beginning, you know, who's mm-hmm. like uh, shooken up by it. Martin Freeman's kind of like he's not not made his peace, but he's yeah, he, he he's 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 um he's worked through it and he's sort of incorporated it and he has more of like winking kind of right, knowing right yeah you know yeah I remember having the thought. As that one started, I was like, "Oh right, Martin Freeman. Why is Martin Freeman in this?" I'm like, "How they?" I'm right. like, my first thought was like, "How the fuck they land him just for one of the short anthologies?" And and then obviously this pays off because he sort of it becomes a broader thing. Right, that he's he's the guy, the old dude who gives Goodman the cases. He's in makeup. That reveal was great, and you could like I think we both saw that there was something to that. Like character. we knew it was a guy in makeup or right. something. I someone and I aged thought up. like I was like they're probably that's gonna be. I thought initially it was gonna be the charlatan from the the opening mm-hmm. scene under the makeup, and that this was all a big dodge. I obviously didn't see the the broader twist that it's not even a dodge. It's not even reality. Because then when Mar- it's Martin Freeman, oh so yeah, um, when it's Martin Freeman, I'm like so the, the last fuck? segment um is that. Are we bleeding into the? Sort I guess of we are, but now? so so. What else about the the actual? Well, I'm trying to remember because, like, what I mostly remember was just the sort of out of focus shot of like the the baby blanket moving. Yeah, but I felt that like this really weird. The actual segment itself was kind of uh, little to nil, and and yeah, I, I mostly just felt like it was them talking the field. Like it felt more like mm-hmm. I remember more of the wraparound than I do the actual. Yeah, I think Sorry. the the if you were taking it in isolation of like is this one the poltergeist one that scary? I thought the you know shit getting thrown around and whatever, the baby stuff getting thrown around and the ba- the out of focus blanket moving and you know, okay. Like it was fine, but fairly innocuous. Like yeah. watching Freeman 
behave in those moments was compelling. Well, that's what I think that maybe that that worked then that it was kind of a truncated one uh-huh. because even if we didn't know it, we knew this movie at the time. We knew this moment. This film was ramping up to something mm-hmm. more that, you know, as far as that, that, yeah, yeah. that playing the card of like um, how this can all be effective, even when it's going to get Wizard, Wizard of Oz, that becomes, you know, you can kind of do that less and less as it goes because the movies itself That's is right. ramping up to it. And God, now I can't remember exactly, but do we, we, do we cut back and forth to them out in the wilderness during that? Yeah, one? he's telling them. See, that... that doesn't happen, right? In mm-hmm. the first two, you're not getting cutbacks, right? You're not. You're not. You're. You, they. They play out from start to finish the, yeah. the cutaways, and I, this one intercut. I think that was really smart, just yes. to show it's all because shit's starting to happen. Mind. Yeah, right. Like we, for the first time, we see the 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 entity in the the hood. Like mm-hmm. the jacket with the hood over, you know, the, you can't see his face. That's the first time we see that when they're out in the wilder, or mm-hmm. they're out in the, the moors or whatever the fuck you call that. Um, and then having that, how does it transition out? He Martin Freeman, Freeman shoots, shoots himself, himself, but then the which next was great. Thing, I just wanted to point out that oh, was so good. Me, yeah, how instantly he does it. Oh, yeah, chilling. Mm-hmm. But then we're with. He Goodman. sort of goes by the train tracks, and then we see the path that's like just kind of off the road. That's like the broken fence path that leads to the the sewer entrance. Right. Okay. And he's so kind he of comes st- out of that. Doesn't he kind of start to transform into his kid self too? Once he's sort of like on these that, train but tracks. Y- no, that that but, happens. At that the, happens yeah, oh, after, but before. That's when you're he's right. getting bullied. The reveal that Freeman shows back up, and oh, so he goes back to. Yeah, he goes back to the um, the trailer yeah. with the dude who pulls the, the the old makeup off. Then we're on the tracks. Then Freeman shows right. up again. I mean, we just sort of jump cut to the tracks, I think. And then shit really starts to fall yeah. apart. Like reality just falls away. Yeah. And we... That's right because in the in the trailer that's the first time Freeman pokes the hole in the in the wall and <laughs> and tears it. That is so fucking good. I know. I love that so much. When you start to really tactilely break down reality is I I love that shit. Yeah. It's looking glass shit, right? It's like we're suddenly in just a fucking crazy fantasy world. Looking glass. I love it. Talk about, you know, dream logic psychedelia. That's right. That's exactly right. Suddenly we're in dream world and I'm like, "Ooh, mm-hmm. even better." Like we're falling down and that's that hole. More the brain seeing what it needs to yes, see versus what it wants to see. So fucking good. Yeah, and like you know him holding the goat baby. <laughs> right. Fucking great, dude. All that shit is just trippy, weird, unsettling, awesome, and it happens at the right place, right? Like we've. It's almost like the first two are kind of, um, they're kind of really well constructed cranking. You're cranking up and you're cranking up and you're cranking they're, up. And the they're doing the anthology then... formula enough right. in itself to yeah. sort of mislead you in the end. Too. Oh, man. These motherfuckers. So uh, in the things so of smart. note, I'll, I'm going to get to uh, why I know we're in good hands for this film. Yes, absolutely. Um, uh, so, I mean, the, the last thing, I don't think there's anything more to say about it because we already kind mm-hmm. of answered it was just it's cool how when we're talking about 
the context of these stories. Oh, I like when this kid reacted to this and da da da. That even though it got Wizard of Oz, it didn't undermine any of that. No. It's not like that. That there's a movie that I watched when I was a kid. Something about like they came from Mars or invaders from Mars. Yes, invaders from Mars, and it's all just a dream. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That bummed me the fuck out when he like wakes up and it's like it's all a dream. And I was like, guys, (laughs) I've been wanting to rewatch it. I forgot that was the ending. (laughs) Yeah, and then I think they show up again or whatever. Oh, maybe it wasn't. Oh, maybe it wasn't. That that trope is very uh touch and go mm-hmm. <laughs> to say the least but they they but was there were... anything else as far as why that worked in this one because it didn't fucking no because the context of it is solving things mm-hmm. that's why it fucking works is because it's giving us an answer when it's just like oh it was all a dream it's not solving anything well the answer is also as i said is that there's no answer right it's embracing the the um I mean at minimum the answer is okay he's in a coma. Mm-hmm. Great. That that makes everything make more sense and we and they give us they feed us. They say the janitor is the first guy. Yeah. Uh the the nurse whatever kid is the kid. Freeman is the doctor. The doll is on you know is the little girl from the first one. Mm-hmm. You know so they're 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 feeding us the context of why we this guy in his coma state is is having these dreams or whatever you want to call them well i think uh just to reiterate that's satisfying that's not a cop-out right well what just i guess just just to to end again i mean yeah i already said this reiterate why that all worked for me as the ending it wasn't just all you know for nothing in the end because it was his dream was uh yeah the, the the filmmaking doing such the thing where we yeah no longer on stable ground like as far as Mm -hmm. as soon as that as soon as it went off the rails it it wasn't that safety wasn't there of oh it was just a dream like i couldn't say that confidently Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's why that that's why it worked for me yeah yeah it's almost like it's you're right it's 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 an answer but it's not too much of an answer it's not too much of a like a bow on it yeah that's good it's the the contradiction inherent in everything. Yeah. That, that's what's scary to us. That's when things are icky. And even just dude, somebody sitting like in a coma, like vegetative state, but like maybe knows what's going on, which is kind of a thing that they, they talk about briefly, but unable to do anything about it. Like that yeah. idea is so fucking unsettling. And he's the perfect age to kind of re you know, reinforce that idea. It's like, yeah, he's, he's not, yeah, he's, he's over not the ancient. hill. But yeah, not ancient. It's like he could still have like a good last totally. lease on life. Yeah. But uh, we can see how he's oh, been. Man. What does they say? They say to him, you've been scared your whole life. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. Should we get yeah. into our next section? Yes. All right. Let's get into what did not work. <laughs> it's not ready yet. Seems to work okay. No, something important's missing. I gotta be honest. I mean, I think the only thing while we were watching it that I that I was like, I'm not sure I'm cool with that. In the first two, maybe in the third one too, but maybe by then I was over it. Um, 
they do do the, the, the standard kind of version of a jump scare with the loud noise. And, you know, I think I'm just, I'm just sensitive to that thing. Cause I'm like, if you're going to make a horror film and you're, and you're that good a filmmaker, can't you do a different version of the jump scare? The one that really stuck out to me was in the first anthology, in the first story, when the guy's looking around and he, you know, the lights are turning off and he's got the flashlight and he's wandering around, we do see the girl's hand creep up from the bottom of the frame and grab like a railing. And they add a, like a, and I was like, I don't think that helped that moment. Um, I think if you had no sound yeah. at all, or just like the, the the room tone or whatever, and still had that hand come up, it would be freaky enough. So I had... That's really it, though, for it's me. It's hard, because I, I agree with you, but what, what I already said stays true, where it's like, that kind of filmmaking, though, made me think I was safe for when I had the rug pulled out for me in the ending. Yeah. You know? Like, it's a, it's a weird trade-off, you know, to feel like it's less good in a sense during it but then but because i was able to get on board with that as a style pretty quickly sure and saying oh this is what it is and it's done well for what that is yeah um well i didn't have i didn't put down anything for what didn't work for me <laughs> that's amazing yeah fuck maybe you should buy this movie <laughs> it's, it's up there it's i think it's more just that i'm not really buying too many movies these yeah, days know, right? but um but uh it is there for me. I don't know. I don't feel like I have anything. Well, I just don't. It's let's, so good. Let's go to things of okay, note then. Great. <laughs> things of note. Things of note! <laughs> this should be interesting. All right, this is why I'm excited to get into here because I do have a yeah. few things for things of note. Cool. So the um, one of the there's there's two writer directors on this. One yeah. of them, Jeremy Dyson, he is the the creator writer director of a show that was near and dear for me, circa late '90s, early 2000s, called The League of Gentlemen. It's a British show that okay. came state stateside thanks to Comedy Central, and The League of Gentlemen. It was a show that was like. God, how do you describe it? It's like really dark humor. It's but but really surreal too. It's kind of like take the most surreal, odd, like don't know whether to laugh or not aspect like kids in the hall episodes mm. <laughs> or, or skits. Yeah. And mix that with like Monty Python of kind oh, cool. of like it's mostly <laughs> cross dressing men playing the women. Yeah. Um and then just yeah, again, really kind of dark and gross in a lot of in a lot of ways. Oh, I but I loved this. it. It's so eerie. It's 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 got such a tone to it, especially yeah. when you can decode what they're saying. They got the heavy right, accents right, right. for for us for us Americans. And so kind of not dissimilar to South Park, where it has that gross out humor and almost you know it's easy to call it immature. Mm -hmm. It's actually I think made by really smart people. Sure. Well, I mean, I you could all, obviously. I don't watch South Park, but I think you could make the argument that that's made by really smart people too. That's what I'm. Oh, I get. That's, you're, that's you're, what I, I see said. what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> huh? <laughs> Ironically, yeah. What? Um. 
So, uh, I mean, but I mean, just if there's any other fans of the show out there, maybe this is still a thing of note. I thought it was interesting. Just sort of, I could see there's certain certain things where it's like, okay, I could see how the same people made that made uh, uh-huh. that made ghost stories made League of Gentlemen, and one of them was just that that uh, a big word from last week, dreary. The dreary mm. British countryside. Yeah, that's, that's right. Specifically, the fields, the rolling hills. Like mm-hmm. that's the League of Gentlemen takes place in a, a little little town, like that's separated okay. from a, any highways called Royston Vasey, and it's all just it's like the hill. It looks exactly like that, where there's always just a gray wind. Yeah, that's England know. for you. And then, um, <laughs> and then like the heavy prosthetics, just the the you know that that they'll have in the in the league of gentlemen just sort of a mask you know just sort of the idea of masks it's you know used very differently and knowing you know we know it's a mask that he's wearing in Uh ghost stories Uh but just something about that of like the idea of changing your identity via mask that that was i don't know i see that in their blood yep i got a whole screenplay based on that cool thing that i want to make it's so good we hope to see it one Um, day one day the uh well and i think you're probably going to say this it's got to be on your notes but the fact that this was a play oh yeah yeah that's huge like that that makes so much of this make more sense to me yeah where i go fuck yes it definitely was a play but they you know there's a really it's it's it can it can be treacherous to translate a play into a film. I've seen it. You see it done a lot of time, and you see. I think one of the biggest problems that arises is that oftentimes play dialogue does not translate to film dialogue for some reason. This does not suffer from that whatsoever. Well, I mean, they could have adapted. Yeah, I'm sure they adapted well, of course it. They, so. Yeah, no, exactly. I think that's, that's to their credit, they they made, uh, they adapted it to they, a, six, a... They didn't they, get trapped by... That's right, yeah. Right, right. And and so, I, I, you know, until it flashed up at the, on the screen at the very end, I, was, I, you, I would never have been like, uh, this is obviously a play. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So they did their job really well of saying, we're in a different medium. But they used things that that I bet are so fucking cool in the play version too. You like can imagine you go, the tearing down the background. A hundred percent. Like yeah. that is genius. Cross mediums, man. Like I used to have a teacher who would be like, if you're whatever you're doing, go see other art. Go to the opera. Go to the museum. Go to concerts. Like don't just get trapped in your particular medium that you're in love with. Other art will fucking seep its way like when you experience it it will seep its way into your art and 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 inform it and make it better that can also be true in like the sense where maybe your teacher didn't mean it but where if something doesn't work for you then that's still informing you yes you know absolutely i can say like i one time i went to an opera as like a 12 year old and was bored (laughs) and then and then you walked out you know you had you you had a tummy ache and you walked out and you're like mom dad i don't feel good can we go and you walked out into the alley and a guy held you up and like stole your mom's pearls and then your dad tried to stop him and and your dad and your mom got killed and then you became batman i'm batman tim i fucking knew it no one will believe me except no one that's what makes batman so smart yeah Anyway. If only my parents were billionaires. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> no. Uh, You're just in an alternate universe. Play Batman 
Uh, yeah, <laughs> it was a play and it's great. Yep. What else you got? I really liked the poster for this. There's two, not the one on Wikipedia, the one on the IMDb. That's the throwback style poster. I'm going to find it. I have it right here. Do you want to see it? Yeah. It's, um, oh. so be, this is the, <laughs> that is amazing. This is the one that's going to be on our website, folks. And it, this is how I knew also remembered the brain sees what it wants to see. Holy shit. That's it's, there's beautiful. a part of me. Cause I think it's used for movies that I wasn't liking so much as far as like the throwback looking poster, uh-huh. like where, you know, you almost want to see the creases in it, the grindhouse style. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one earns it and I think it's the, the it's really well done. That's awesome. So, I love that. So on a that. podcast, I'm, I'm that saying on my fucking wall. The poster works. So look at it. It'll be on our site. Yeah. It's, you'll know it's what I'm talking about when I say the throwback one, not with, with small accolades next to the title. It's not the one that I will call the accolades one. That's like all, mm-hmm. all quotes yeah, yeah, yeah. about it. Yeah. That one's pretty boring. So... This was a Hornthology film. I wanted to see if there's any truth to this idea or what you thought that an anthology film, which typically, which a lot of the times has three, mm-hmm. the middle one is always the best. Hmm. God, I mean, I'd have to go fucking deep in and the, look at all of the ones I've watched. Right. The one. Um. That's interesting. The one that I watched with uh, Art the Clown in it. That was true. There's, I feel, I feel like it's just, there's other ones that's, I can't think off the top of my head. Well, Maybe I just watched the Bust, Buster, uh, Buster Scrub. I haven't seen it. I think the middle one is the best in that one, actually. It's, so I'm like wondering if there's any truth to that, why is that? And I can only think of is like the pressure's off there. They have more experimentation. It's the fun and game segment of the film. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have all this like, yeah, as I said, the pressure's off. It doesn't have to have. You know, it doesn't have to the the opening or the ending. Well, and also just from a sort of structural point of view, you don't you don't you always you worry that you're you're going to suffer from like, well, if the first three quarters of the movie or two thirds of the movie aren't peaking, so to speak, we might lose people. Right. Like we might they might just turn it off or whatever so put so it's almost just a safe bet to put your best one in right smack in the middle so that it keeps people in and then they're hoping that the next one is as good or better and yeah i mean that's a t- it's that's interesting it always it's seems tough, like it's a tough call honestly. it's a fun like they're the fun ones where it's like oh that had the cool creature in it or well i think that you're you're yeah you're hitting on more of sort of it is the promise of the premise one. It's like the the one. It's separated from a setup and payoff, so it's just like in essence, here's this the story. That's right. Yeah, you're not bound necessarily. See, I oh, this is a tough question. I'm not sure. I think in this one, the second one is the best. Mm-hmm. It definitely got the biggest reaction from me. They're all consistent, so maybe best is the wrong word too. Maybe just kind of most fun. I don't know. Yes, unconstrained. I think is probably what it ends up being, which translates to if me, especially as if there are three best, because because unconstrained right. equals yeah, yeah, yeah. is is like will win sure. me over. That's interesting. I didn't like that one the best, but it is the most unconstrained. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I'm not sure I like any of them better than I like. Uh, like to me, this is 
I yeah, this I con- think the first very consistent. The first two I like the best is because of what we talked about. The third one, it was different. It was mm-hmm. blending. It was coming in and out. Yep. It it wasn't sort of a whole complete little story. I still dug everything I was watching, but it just to me wasn't like a standalone story yeah. like the other two were. Yeah. 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 The um we kind of already talked about this like saying oh this, could this be a buy is this gonna get better with age I'm wondering um what it's what its rewatchability value has is it gonna grow on me hmm. anything else to that? I as we we're talking about it and we're sort of seeing now the clues of knowing it's all in his head or not, I bet you, know, you there's so it. much more shit going on that you we're you know that you'll pick up on yeah so I'm thinking that it does have that rewatchability factor yeah. That was my biggest question for saying like, okay, how much do I love this? How much do I want to watch it again soon? You know, do I need to see it again? All that stuff. Yeah. Just kind of wondering. Give it a month. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, shit, if it's still up on, what did we, where did we watch this on Amazon? You had it all up Oh, it was on Hulu, but whatever. I think it's also on Amazon Prime. Um, If it's still up in a month, I'll probably turn it back on. Honestly, because yeah. I think you can take this one in pieces anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, it's an anthology. You could just watch two, one two of, of them or one of them. Appeals whatever. of uh, the anthology. Yeah. Did cool, you dude. have anything else for things of note? Because I had no. one last good one, I think. No, I kind of covered all of them earlier in, in the other sections. So, yeah. Okay. Andy Nyman, who plays the Philip Goodman, uh-huh. I believe. You know, um, oh, wait, really? Or, yeah, he's yeah. one of the directors, is the lead. Uh, did I confuse? Yeah, yeah, it looks like oh, it. Andy cool. Nyman, and Andy Nyman, great. I didn't even think of that or notice it. Uh, we have a 2020 film, uh, that he's going to be in. It's like eighth billing or something like that. Andy Nyman is going to be playing or has played, they've shot it. Sir James Hobbs Coddington in the upcoming Jungle Cruise film. <laughs> Interesting. Who's in that? Uh, Is The Rock in that? I, think the Rock I feel like The Rock should be in that. And um, <laughs> Mary Poppins. Uh, Emily Blunt? Yeah. <laughs> nice. That is not in a realm of movies that I would normally see, but it's like I'll probably, I don't know. I'm not going to go to the theater to see it, but I'll watch it one day right it's kind of like jumanji the new jumanji i was like i'll never watch that and then i was home one day and was like oh look i want to see it and it's good it has it actually stars (laughs) emily blunt she's first billing and uh jesse plemons and uh Uh good old paul giamatti Uh uh-huh so hey shit good cast anyway i just wanted to say the name sir james hobbs coddington (laughs) as our last thing of note sweet great uh so how about we do our recommendations um, yeah, mine is, you know, I'm sure people have, oh, you, you, you want to go first? You oh, no, no, no. Do you, do you already have one? Cause I do. Okay. Never mind then. Why? What do you want to say? I want to know. Come on. Don't well, keep me in suspense. Well, I was, if, cause sometimes you go like, oh shoot, what, what is my recommendation? Mm-hmm. I was going to recommend dead that you recommend Ed Baskin. Oh, cause you mentioned fuck. it earlier. Did, haven't I already recommended that? I think I did in one of our earlier episodes. Maybe um, not. No shit balls well fuck you definitely need to go see that so i'll double up um no the one i was gonna say well you know what yeah go fucking see basket <laughs> find it for sure because the one i was gonna recommend dead is something that probably all of you have seen but i rewatched it because it's on amazon prime which is hereditary 
that movie is so fucked. It's great. This is um, but Baskin. We it's see Baskin for yeah, sure. Hereditary is already on people's. Yeah, periphery. exactly. No, Baskin is incredible. So yeah, that's gonna be mine. That's fine. Baskin, I can second yeah. that. Baskin, I saw it at the um, the Cine Lounge here mm-hmm. in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of going in, what was it? And at first, I was like. I don't know. It had some pretty low techiness at the setup mm-hmm. that was kind of putting me off. And I'm like, this is going to be better. This is kind of weird. But when it gets going, oh boy, it's great. I loved it in the end. <laughs> yeah. See Baskin. Yeah. Um, I'm going to recommend dead just cause I was already talking about this an episode where we'll just pull from the episode. What our recommendations are. I'll officially recommend dead the league of gentlemen. Yeah. Cause I think a lot of people don't know about it and it's pretty, pretty cool. I don't know. It informs a pretty neat, um, space of of uh whatever it's doing <laughs> it's uh it's cool i like it a lot it's something as i said hold near and dear and they um it came out on comedy central you know kind of adapted they cut some stuff out to hit the time but around the show came out with the same time strangers with candy did you know with oh, uh, Stephen colbert um and it's it's cool they were a good grouping both of those shows um I really love. So yeah, check out League of Gentlemen. I don't know where you can find it, but you can find it if you want to, I'm sure. <laughs> you can find anything if you want to nowadays. Believe it if you need it. That's if you right. don't, just pass it on. Wow. Um, was, how about next deep. week's movie? It's my turn. <gasps> Give me that hat. Give me that hat. I'm still so sh- happy sh- you sh- picked sh- ghost stories last time, Tim. Pick something awesome. All right. All right. Well, this Whoa, is a long, long one. Long one. <laughs> Oh God! Uh-oh. This this one's Uh-oh. for um Uh-oh. my friend Arn Battellini, who really wanted us to watch *Planet of the Vampires*, <gasps> a 1965 Soviet film. Yes. So it's gonna be our first Soviet film. And knowing Arn, I don't know if this film is gonna quite be the like. Uh, this is something we can expect to scare us. <laughs> I don't think this is a good film as far as uh, our quest for what's scary. But um, I don't know. I can promise you it'll be something. Planet of the Vampires. Cool. 1965 Soviet movie. We don't know how to find that one either, but we we'll believe we it. can find it. Maybe we'll it'll be it. at uh, Videotech. Yeah. Go rent it again. Planet of the Vampires, 1965. And I don't think we've done a Russian movie yet. So. Nope. Great. Russians. We'll, we'll see you, Tim, and see everyone else back here for that. And in the meantime, you can find us if you didn't already find us at dismemberinghorror.com. Yep. You know, and everywhere else iTunes, Instagram. Yeah. Our Instagram is fun. Yeah. We're going to be updating it more soon here. Got to yep. catch up. Cool, um, man. All right. Great. Good seeing you, Tim. Good seeing you out there. We're high fiving. Well, Tim instigated it. Man, we're such nerds. We both have glasses now. <laughs> Yours don't even have any lenses in them, but. Shut up. They do so. <laughs> all right. See you next time. Bye. Ha, 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 ha.